Welcome to the podcast, Your Time with James Sweetman. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Your Time with James Sweetman. Thank you for tuning in. Of course, I should say welcome back because as regular listeners, you'll know that I have taken a two-week break from the from the podcast, a little two-week sabbatical. Um, not that I was taking time off and putting my feet up. Um, I took the time to focus on completing the manuscript for my new book and I was able to get it across the line, which was a, which was a box ticked and something I'm very proud of. And of course, I'll be speaking more about that in the weeks to come. And the, the little time out also gave me some space to take a step back and to think about some of the themes that I wanted to explore on my podcast over the next few weeks. So this week, it's all about FORTO. Now, there's always an abbreviation. Uh, FORTO stands for fear of returning to the office. So we've all heard the adage about not wishing you spent more time in the office as you lie there on your deathbed. Well, this sentiment, I think, is very pertinent now, and it's a tangible reality uh, for so many of us. September 20th has been mentioned here in Ireland as the date for the for the great migration back to the office after 18 months or so of working from home. And with it, it brings up many issues for people. And that's what I'm delving into uh, this week. Of course, for for many people, too, this date cannot come quick enough, reconnecting in person with colleagues and friends and the opportunity to feel that sense of belonging and community again. And of course, if we're used to working in an office, perhaps we're used to having, you know, guidance or someone closer to hand to ask questions and, you know, and, and the, the confidence we get from being clear and certain as to what it is we're, we're meant to be doing. Uh, for many too, you know, simply just getting out of the house and a change of scenery is important, you know, and reestablishing that physical boundary between work and personal life. I know many people found the, the melding of of private and work lives, you know, really uncomfortable. And that's even without, you know, throwing into the mix homeschooling. Um, you know, for some people that helped with work-life balance and for others, the work-life balance just went out the window. There was zero comp- decompression time or, you know, the buffer that was the commute between work and personal life environments also vanished. Um, you know, equally, not everyone can do their job as effectively from home and some people don't work well in isolation. So just like with FOMO, that social media term, you know, fear of missing out, yeah, we now have Forto, fear of returning to the office. But of course, there's also Jomo, what that the joy of missing out. So I'm sure there's Jorto as well, J-O-R-T-O, the joy of returning to the office. I, I suspect the reality for most of us is that it will be a combination of the two. You know, an eagerness, maybe even excitement to get back to normal, whatever that is, uh, but a little apprehensive, a little, you know, we're apprehensive as well. Um, we hear a lot now about the value of connection. I hear the phrase, the currency of gathering. Uh, and of course, as humans, we are social creatures. But let's remember, too, that the old normal didn't work for everyone. Offices weren't always locations of camaraderie, community or synergy around the water cooler or the boardroom table. You know, in that regard, we might be reminded of the dread of returning to school when we were children or its Sunday night syndrome multiplied by a factor of 10. Uh, When dealing with uncertainty of any kind, you know, let's remember that worry and excitement are two sides of the same coin. That coin is anticipation. 
It was back in February this year that Brent Hyder, the president of the software giant Salesforce, declared that the nine to five workday is dead. Now, I'm not sure if that's true, but what is true is that we're going into uncharted territory. One thing that I think has happened in the last 18 months is that the, a sense of informality has been formalized, if that makes sense. So whilst remaining professional, we're less rigid with clocking in and clocking out. And of course, we've become even more casual in our work attire. You know, if someone had said to me a few years ago that I'd be delivering conference talks barefoot, <laughs> I, I, I would have really scratched my head. But uh, that has been the case underneath the the the, the laptop, particularly over the summer. Uh, the obvious, you know, takeaway as well from the last 18 months is that many people have been as productive, if not more productive, working from home. It might be that work, fill, work filled the, the vacuum uh, with the lack of a commute, which is perhaps not such a good thing unless we're, we're purposely making, you know, conscious use of that time. Um, but also when you're not in the office, let's remember that office politics is somewhat diminished. There might have been less distractions or interruptions or just less time wasting. Um, and of course, you can't hide bad meetings on Zoom. Of course, for many of us, if we are going back into the office, you know, we, we can't switch the camera off. We can't go invisible and sort of dash out and put a wash on in the middle of a boring meeting. You know, it was in the last few weeks, actually, that I was not back in the office because obviously I have a home office and I go to many people's offices, but I did my first in-person workshop in 15 months. Um, it was a speaking engagement, a half day session. Um, and normally it's something that I wouldn't really think twice about in terms of, you know, nervousness or anxiousness. Um, but I was on this occasion. So I can really appreciate where maybe people are coming from with, uh, you know, with the, with the move back to the office pending. You know, I was considering things like commuting to the venue and, you know, the health and safety protocols. I was questioning my abilities, you know, the, the extra maybe tension in the room where the audience are uncomfortable being in a group setup, you know, putting them at ease, you know, in addition to, you know, the normal work that I would be doing with a group. You know, so as I say, I can really appreciate where so many people are at at the minute, hence, hence this topic this week. Um, but of course, if I think back on that now, you know, 10 minutes in, it was like getting back on the bike again, um, back into the groove. And it turned out to be a very positive experience and one that uh, I appreciated perhaps even more than I would have done if that session had taken place two years ago. So for the for the rest of this week's uh, episode, I'm delving into some of the, the wider issues that we're currently grappling with, uh, particularly from the perspective of, of going back into the office. I'll close with a few little triage uh, state management techniques as well. But I want to start off by, by speaking about comfort zone. And this is a topic I've spoken about before. And it's one of those how would I say it? It's one of those factors that is central to, I think, our human conditioning. You know, we're habit forming creatures. And at the start of the, the whole working from home uh, phenomenon, uh, 18 months or so ago, you know, it was strange. It was classified as the new normal. We were having to, to break old habits and create new habits. And of course, now it's it's reversed again, whereas if we've been working from a from a home environment for 18 months, you know, going back into the office is now outside of our comfort zone and we're very self-conscious about it. And let's remember that the border of our comfort zones is patrolled by emotions like worry and anxiousness, 
you know, the zone that's outside of the, the comfort zone is the fear zone. Uh, we've all had those routines. Even when I think about the, the routines here at home, you know, Brian used to leave for, you know, for work and um, I'd have lunch here by myself if I wasn't out somewhere else, you know, but we've had lunch together for the last 18 months or so, which is great. And, uh, you know, and our, our our elderly dog, Cara, who's nearly, what now, 16 and a half, bless her, our English Springer Spaniel, she had suffered from separation anxiety before lockdown. So if the pair of us are not here in the house, I, I dread to think what she would be like um, um, from a separation anxiety perspective. Um, there's also then the, how would I say it, the, you know, the added uh, tension of not wanting to, to do anything wrong when we're going back into the office or into a different environment. You know, when I think about a few scenarios in the last six months or so where just out of forgetfulness, I, I forgot to put a mask on. I remember going in to pay for petrol and forgetting to put my mask on and then sort of feeling the borderline shame from the glares of other people. You know, even though I, I sort of dashed out and I got one from the glove compartment of the car, you know, or, or last week when I forgot to, to put it on when I was coming out of the coming out of the gym, walking through reception. And, you know, it's just more for us to think about um, at a time when we have an awful lot to think about anyway. I think it's only human to have fears and concerns at this time, you know, legitimate concerns about returning to an office environment. It's, you know, fears around our own health and safety, you know, anxiousness about travel, maybe spending time on public transport, you know, concerns we have about behaviour in the workplace with the new emphasis on health and safety protocols. And, you know, I often say we can control ourselves, but we cannot control others and, and what it is that they do or don't do. You have the whole question around whether people are vaccinated or not. I, I, I've been reading that that also brings up uh, GDPR issues, you know, which makes this very complex and uncharted territory. When I was speaking to a HR director recently, I was really sympathising with them because I said, gosh, you've got so much, so much to deal with. And it's impossible, you know, to be all things to all people all the time. Um, but one of the one of the areas that certainly um, uh, comes into focus at this time for us is the sense that we're we're losing some control. And if you're acting like me, you know, we do like to feel like masters of our own destiny. We do like to feel that we have control and, um, you know, places of work, employers are um, maybe getting a little bit harder in their mindset around coming back into the office to be, you know, to be visible again. Um, and if we think about it over the last 18 months or so, many of us have had more control over our schedules, you know, with the physical environment being the same or the that lack of decompression zone that was to commute. You know, we have maybe shifted from work-life balance to that phrase of work-life blend, which has been around for a while. You know, I know many clients who might log on early, you know, then they have time when the when the children are up, they get the household chores done. You know, they might even factor in a workout session during the day, an online session. You know, they're there for the kids when they come home from school, you know, and then maybe they log on again in the evening time. And, uh, you know, for many children, they've gotten used to having their parents at home as well, more visible and more available to them. Um, and for many people, that has enhanced quality of life. You know, I was speaking to someone else recently as well, where they said that only during COVID have they gotten to know more of their neighbours. And for many people, they've swapped that, you know, that commute to having a greater sense of community. 
you know, where maybe we're, 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 you know, that sense of solidarity and speaking more to people across the fence or across the landing. Um, that quality of life for me has also changed the sort of conversations I'm having. You know, in the past, if I was doing a lot of regular commuting, you know, people are asking me how I was and I'd go fine. But, you know, isn't the traffic awful? Because we tend to speak about topics that consume a lot of our lives. Um, and I've not been having conversations about traffic with people in recent times. They, they've been better conversations. And I think others will perhaps, you know, resonate with that as well. Uh, for many people, you know, time with family, um, um, we, we've been able to spend more time with family. And I realize that, you know, not everyone has the the, the same blessings in that area. Um, if I put my coaching hat on, of course, you know, we're always trying to stay aware and move towards having our uh, schedule match our priorities. And COVID-19 has reminded us of our priorities. And one of the areas that I'm uh, doing a lot of work on with private clients at the minute, um, particularly around career fulfillment and, you know, broader life coaching topics is, you know, when we're going into a period of, of change, uh, a useful question to ponder is what am I no longer willing to sacrifice? I always think the topic of control is a little bit like a pendulum. So if we feel we're in a scenario where we're not in control, we're going to look for a way to rebalance that and to regain control or to take back control. So if we, you know, if we feel pressurized to return to an environment where we feel unsafe, you know, we're going to be looking to seek alternatives to take back control. I was reading recently about a US academic, Anthony Clotes, I think is how you pronounce his name, K-L-O-T-Z, where he was predicting, a, you know, a wave of post-pandemic life epiphanies. Um, he even used the phrase, the great resignation is coming. And I've seen hints of that in my coaching work, in my career coaching work and, and interview skills coaching work. You know, when we are in a reactionary mode, which we've all had to be during COVID-19, that wasn't the time for making changes or for job hunting. But in the last 18 months, we have been reassessing what's important to us. Um, you know, what some of our habits are, what are our habits that have been serving us, what habits are beyond their sell-by date, because the old anesthetic of business, um, the business routines were broken. You know, when we're dealing with any big change, and you may have seen this before, if you're in an organization that had a you know big new computer system installed or, you know, the organization merged or was taken over by someone else, you know, people look to take back control to feel proactive in their lives during a time of, of big upheaval. You know, so whilst companies may seek to return to business as usual. I think as people, we have changed. You know, we often use the, you know, when we often think of Generation Z uh, or Generation Z, you know, young people who were born at the turn of the century and who grew up with websites and internet and global connectivity. You know, one of the things often associated with them is that they're seeking greater meaning from their work. And I think that is something that we've, we're all, we're all more aware of now, the meaning that we're getting from where we're investing our time and energy. You know, and in the in the short term, I know many people who are just waiting for the dust to settle to see if their company will accommodate flexible working arrangements. Um, and they're very much keeping their options open. 
I think when we're facing a time of change um, in, in any regard, it's always useful to ponder the question, what do I want? You know, that's question 101 when I put my coaching hat on. What do I want? Um, what would work for me? You know, if we're even thinking about that from a work-life balance or a work-life blend perspective, you know, what would an equitable work-life balance look like to me over the next few weeks, months or years? Um, in, in some recent articles and uh, episodes that I did on work-life balance, I mentioned how it's really about balancing commitments, you know, the commitments we have to ourselves, as well as the commitments we have to our family and, of course, commitments we have to others, employers, customers, whatever. And, and then sometimes it's about pondering, well, what does balance feel like to me? Because in this scenario, you know, no one has all of the answers, but it's useful for us to ponder what would what would work for us. You know, I think for many people, they would just like business as usual or rather business as it was. But I think in some regards, you know, the genie is out of the bottle. You know, as I said, for, for many people, they can work as effectively, sometimes more effectively from home. Uh, of course, it depends on the role and it depends on the person's personality as well. Uh, some people want the freedom to come and go to the office as they please, you know, whereas others just want the regularity of routine. Uh, logic dictates that some sort of trial period from September 20th will be the norm, um, some sort of hybrid working you know, in tandem with the uh, with health and safety protocols. When I'm working with organizations on anything to do with change, I always say change really comes down to quality conversations. So if we think about that for ourselves, uh, it's conversations we're having at home to start with, with family, uh, with children maybe. Uh, conversations as well, of course, with colleagues and managers. Now, if we think about conversations, you know, conversations are made up of talking and listening and quality conversations contain many quality questions as well. In that regard, I've earmarked listening as a topic for an upcoming episode because I think it is a time for, for listening, um, even more so than usual. So do consider what you're concerned about, uh, you know, and then have that discussion with your manager. Be prepared to offer some suggestions as to what would make a difference to you. You know, it might be health concerns, caregiving responsibilities that you have, you know, or simply making the case that you're happier and more productive working from home or that without a long commute, your time is better spent. You know, if you're having a conversation with your manager, they probably won't have any specific solutions. You know, maybe they're seeking your input. So it's always it's always useful to have considered what would work for us. Uh, most of us are flexible and accommodating, but I see this as having two layers. You know that old phrase, put your own oxygen mask on first, what would work for me? Then consider the bigger picture, the wider implications that maybe your manager has to accommodate. Uh, but when you know your own position and what it is you want, you know, you can move from that. You can be more conscious of where you're prepared to compromise. As ever, you know, when we're thinking about how we would like things to be or you know, how we would like to be treated, that old equation of expectations versus reality comes into play. You know, the reality of what we're living versus the expectation as to how we would like things to, to turn out. Of course, when reality is less than expectation, cynicism takes hold. When reality is exceeds our expectations, well, then goodwill and loyalty is generated. In times of change, we seek certainty. We like to know where we stand. We may not get the clarity we're seeking on the timescale we would like, but that unfortunately is just the process at the minute. 
Now, if you're a manager or a team leader or a business owner, know that your people are seeking certainty. And if you cannot give them any definitive answers, what you can give them is a listening ear, empathy, understanding, and a willingness to continue to have conversations with them. You know, my advice to managers really comes down to make people feel heard. You know, if you ask people to share what they're anxious about, respond directly to whatever they raise so that they know you're listening and that you're taking their preferences and anxieties into consideration. Of course, some organisations have a corporate culture of presenteeism where staff are micromanaged, where if you're not visible or if you're not seen to be busy, the assumption is that you're lazy, disorganised or you know don't have enough work to justify your salary that appears on the cell on a spreadsheet somewhere. In other words, these organisations operate from, pla- uh, from a place of believing the worst about people and there's little trust. You know, there are still many companies out there that are far from compassionate or employee focused. You know, their ethos can be that you're lucky to have a job. Uh, the focus is solely on the letter of the law, the, the employment contract, uh, with no awareness of the psychological contract between employer and employee. But the reality now is that for more and more people, there are valid alternatives. People who are aware of their skills, their employability and what's important to them will resign and leave. And just as been as has been happening for decades, others will resign and stay, thus perpetuating that downward spiral of low morale and minimal performance. Now, I think we'll see that more and more companies who want to retain or hire the best talent um, are realising that they have to listen to what that talent is seeking. So as I move towards close this week, I want to take a few moments to share a few little tips on managing our state. Now, why is this important? Well, it's something that I go back to again and again on episodes because I think that's, the, you know, the phrase repetition is the key to mastery. How we manage ourselves is an area where we have control. Um, but it's particularly important when we're dealing with times of uncertainty and going through change. Because if we're emotionally all over the place or if our emotions are heightened, we're not going to make the soundest decisions. We're looking to be as clear headed as we can, as we can, calm and focused as well so that we're we're making decisions from um, from a more solid base is sometimes how I phrase it. So here's a few emergencies. Sometimes I call them triage techniques for managing ourselves. You know, first of all, if we're nervous, worried, anxious, fearful, you know, acknowledge that it's part of being human. Observe the sensations in your body. You know, acknowledge them and, and breathe into them. Don't judge or label them. Simply witness them. It's, it's your, your, your humanness in operation. Um, something that I've been doing in recent times in this particular area is trying to focus on the space around the sensations in my body. You know, and I'll think to myself that I'm the, I'm the loving presence that's holding or that is aware of these sensations in my body. Because when we're feeling worried and anxious and nervous, it's very difficult to think our way out of it. Sometimes we just have to acknowledge the feeling and to breathe through it. Uh, something else we can do to get into the present moment, because let's remember, worry and fear most of the time is based on future based thinking. You know, our mind is racing ahead of us. So to get back into the present moment, we can use the five, four, three, two, one technique, you know, name five things that you can see around you, four things you can hear, three things you can touch, two things you can smell, maybe one thing you can taste. And when we do that, our focus is back into the present and out of that racing mind. I've spoken before about uh, purposeful breathing many, many times, and you may have come across the, the, the technique that's known as square breathing. 
Um, I find it particularly good. I know I did a lot of this at the at the start of lockdowns um, when I was, you know, uh, grappling for control where I didn't have it. Um, and square breathing is very simple. So you breathe in and receive the breath to a count of four. So it's like in two, three, four. Then you hold and suspend the breath for a count of four. Breathe out and release to a count of four. And then pause and empty to a count of four. And then you just keep repeating that until you feel a little bit more grounded or more, more centered in yourself. You know, and then we can close this little triage self-care practice by reaching for, for different thoughts. Maybe the thought is something like as simple as, in, you know, in this moment I can control my breath. You know, or it's okay that worry and anxiety have visited me. It means I'm human and I care. You know, or I'm in charge of my state. You know, or right now I feel safe. I think one of the things we have to be with ourselves in, 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 in the weeks and months ahead, as, as we've had to be in the past as well, or the recent past, is to continue to be patient with ourselves. You know, and when we're more patient with ourselves, we can be more tolerant of others. Um, we've all been through a lot. So uh, compassion is always a quality that will, will serve us. So I hope you found my musings this week on the topic of Forto, that fear of returning to the office, helpful. And um, maybe we'll turn it into Giorto, the joy of returning to the office. Um, you know, me and my words, I always like the abbreviations and the synonyms and the acronyms. Um, of course, if we play with the word Forto and add a little E onto it instead, we have the Italian word for strong. So as I often say, maybe we're stronger than we think we are. You know, a little anecdote to close with. I was chatting with a friend only recently and he was saying how he was dreading the early alarm and the commute, you know, for getting back into the, the office routine, as it were. I was sharing how before the workshop I did a few weeks back, the in-person one, that I was concerned if some of my work clothes would fit, you know, with the jackets fit, with some of the fitted shirts buttoned up. Uh, the answer there was not all of them did, unfortunately, the good old COVID stone. I was even thinking about some of my work shoes, you know, would my feet blister now that I'm back into proper grown up shoes, all of those practical things. Of course, he was philosophical. He said, you know, it's a toss up. It swings and roundabouts. It's neither good nor bad. It's just another layer of different, uh, which is one way of looking at change, of course. But then he said you know, what he was really looking forward to. He said, I'm, you know, if if the printer jams, I'll be able to get someone else to fix it. Um, and I did have to laugh at that because I suppose we all see the world through our own lenses. We all value different things. So thank you for listening this week. I hope you found this week's episode uh, useful, that it's maybe helped clarify some thoughts for you, that some of the tips have been beneficial. Um, in the coming weeks, I have some good interviews lined up and a few more topics on listening and self-care. And, and I'm sure there'll be other ones to do with the, the, the great migration back to the office as well. Um, I've been posting a lot in recent times on Instagram. So if you're on Instagram and don't follow me, check out James underscore Sweetman. Um, I've been doing a lot of behind the scenes stuff there to do with the new book. Of course, there'll be more announcements on that coming up. And then in the next few weeks, as well. October will actually mark the 200th edition of my monthly e-zine Next Steps. And I plan to do something to mark that as well. It's gone out every month since January 2005. 
um, which is quite an achievement. It's something I'm proud of and it's something that has crapped up on me uh, quicker than I thought, let me tell you. So more information about me, James Sweetman, is available on my website, jamesweetman.com. And until next week.